2: Bad Podcast, We you can listen to Steve Gord. It's a kick-ass digital broadcast, where we've got dick jokes alone. Bad. Hot as hell here. Yeah, man, but it's a dry heat. Knock it off, Hudson.
0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 225 of the Bone Bad Show. This is
1: Steve. And this is Gord. How's it going, man? I'm not sure. I just barely staggered into the the studio here for this podcast. Studio. That's putting it generously. Jeez, I don't know if this is happening up where you are, but out here, right when you're busiest, right when you're about to do anything, the Girl Scouts show up with your cookies that you ordered a long time ago. Nice. And they want their money like right now.
0: And of course you've got twenty dollars in cash around.
1: That's exactly it. Yeah. The cute little girl scout shows up. I'm standing there to the doorway like in ripped up dad jeans and a skull shirt going, Uh, can you take a twenty dollar bill, little girl? No. Uh do you take Lint? <laughs> Fishing around for six dollars and quarters so I can just, you know, get my cookies and wait, get wait, this. Wait little girl off the the porch Girl
0: scouts are trying to support their troop for the next year and you bought one box of cookies
1: yeah because i've got this rule like if if a scout shows up at my door i just buy a box of their cookies in some years it's just like two girl scouts some years it's like 30 girl scouts so i gotta be careful it's just it's just a one at a time thing so i don't end up with you know, a metric shit ton of girl scout cookies. Cuz what do you do? You go, okay, first girl scout thin mints, right? That's obvious. That's that's the first cookie you're getting. After that, the the peanut butter ones, the the peanut butter portly makers or whatever they're called. Okay. And then then what do you do? Then it starts getting weird. Do you really want the shortbread ones? There's always some artificial lemon flavored one. I don't know. What do you do?
0: Well, you buy enough cookies so you don't have to break a twenty. <laughs> That's what you do. You make it as easy as possible for you to have that transaction because post pandemic we kind of live in a cashless society now. Largely, most of the time, like yeah. I barely have cash on me ever. So if I do, I try to make it
1: as easy as possible. So what are these little scoutless doing, showing up without PayPal, without a I don't without know, but a you know, Zelle? Without a careful, it's perfectly
0: even if you say say you want to be thin, you're watching your lovely figure. You give them the twenty and <laughs> tell them you. to keep the change, and you still just have one box of cookies. That is one hundred percent within the realm of possibility.
1: You're you, you know what? A good that, cause. that is. I guess. I mean, I don't know. What do Girl Scouts do? Do they like build bridges and save puppies? What What do they even do? They
0: Do they go on trips? They go on learning. You know, hey, we're going to go to the museum and we're going to see X Y Z this year. They plan all that stuff, or at least my wife and daughter did when
1: they were in the game. So That's speak. what they were. That's what they were telling you. You don't know. You weren't supervising. I was around. I heard enough. <laughs> okay. So anyway, I got my cookies. I have dispensed with my quarters. And as if another Girl Scout shows up, because this year it was only two Girl Scouts showed up. By the door, just sitting there waiting, is $6 in loose change that I could just throw at the kid and grab my cookies next time one shows up. So I'm ready to podcast, Steve. Right on. I'm glad to hear it. What are we listening to anyway? You know. Today, I don't know. I'm absolutely
0: thrilled that we're featuring a band that uh, I've been a fan of for a long time. Actually, they've been in existence for 24 years now, so there's been a long time to enjoy them. Uh, this band from Forshaga, Sweden, is Turbocharged. Now, I, I found out about these guys uh from uh, Ronnie Ripper, their bassist and vocalist, used to be in a band called Gehenna. Super fun band that uh, I was into back in the I want to say late 90s and uh, then he started this band and they absolutely fucking rip. It is the very example of grimy, cranky, anti-social devil music. Uh, bands made up of as I mentioned Ronnie Ripper on bass and vocals Old Nick on guitars and Freddie Fistergord on drums. <laughs> We open the show. Okay,
1: not Daryl Hall and John Oates. No, I've taken no. no. Uh, okay,
0: we open the show with a tune called Pistigmata from their latest album, Alpha Beast: Omega God, which came out That's in twenty twenty two. And uh, there's going to be a lot more crushing heavy metal where that came from. In addition to a extended chat with Ronnie Ripper, where we talk all about the history of the band. Super excited about that. One other thing we should mention right now, Gord, is that advanced tickets are available now for the 13th Bone Comedy of Horrors Film Fest, which will take place on April 13th, 2024, at Sif Cinema Egyptian. I've got to say, Gord, I just finished up the t shirt order today. Nice. The posters are being printed.
1: Nice.
0: Allie tickets t- are being printed? T- tickets are being printed. Okay. So uh, you buy your ticket. We'll send them out as soon as we get them back from the printer. Sean at Embodiment Printing is doing the printing for us once again. And uh, we're super excited to see all the finished product. Alex, my daughter, did such a great job on all the artwork this year. And uh, the shirts are going to look freaking cool. Plus the socks, Gord. Tell them about the socks.
1: Well, Steve, it's funny you should ask, but the socks are going to look awesome. They are... A set of socks with Allie's artwork just woven right into them. Woven? Yeah, yeah I guess woven. so. That's how you make a that's woven. how you make a sock. These socks normally if a sock develops a hole, the way you fix it is you darn the socks. These socks you will damn.
3: <laughs> awesome.
0: <laughs> so yeah, once again, go to bonebat.com for the link to buy your tickets. For the film festival, uh, forty-five bucks right now will buy you a full day of entertainment. So, one p.m. to midnight on April thirteenth, we're gonna have shorts from around the world, giggles and gore. It's gonna be freaking great. Plus, live music from the Pine Box Boys, featuring new tunes from their upcoming album, "The Completely True Story of the Kung Fu Wolf Man versus the Blob."
1: Yes, shorts and features, folks. Like,
0: how great is this gonna be? I've got, I've got tingles, Gord.
1: I've got tingles. Amazing, amazing. So get your tickets now. I am. I bought my airplane tickets. Before, I, I got all my ducks in a row. I got my SUV rented so I could fill it with prizes. So get your
0: tickets now before they increase in price. They will be 50 bucks after April 1st. So get your tickets today at BoneBat.com. So, dude, I kind of think uh, before we go any further, we should probably do what we always do about this time. What pisses you off,
1: man? Steve, you know what pisses me off? Amazon losing my delivery. Not so much the fact that they lost my delivery. It's when you go to tell them, hey, didn't get my stuff. You just texted me a picture of some rando's front door saying, here, (laughs) we delivered it. You try to go through the menu to say I didn't get it. They have the they have the audacity to ask me, well, what was the problem? Do we deliver to the right numbered house on the wrong street? Or did we deliver to the right street but the wrong numbered house? I don't know. Yeah, how do you answer intelligently about something? If like I that? knew the answer to that question, I wouldn't be sitting here like trying to figure out this this stupid you lost my package thing. I'd be walking over to wherever it is and getting it. That pisses me off, Amazon. <laughs> Jesus. How am I supposed to an- I guess if you answer that question, they're like, ah, it's not actually lost.
0: That sucks, man.
1: Yeah. Anyway, that's what's pissing me off, Steve. What? What's pissing you off these days?
0: You know, I've got my finger on the problem right now,
1: Gord. <laughs> oh, well, I'm not in the room, so.
0: I've, I've been having an ongoing mouse problem. Where the mm. controller to my computer, it's slowly just... it's not doing its job anymore. You click and you got to click like twice or you got to click harder. And it just like started getting like worse and worse and worse to the point of where I'm doing three or four times the normal amount of clicks. I've got a big Popeye index finger. Now
1: (laughs) there's people working in salt mines, by the way,
0: right? I mean, (laughs) go on (laughs) like, this fucking sucks. So I order a new mouse. Uh, you know, I, I do some research. on go on Wirecutter and places like that. It's like, well, what I need is something that would be good for both. You know, there are lots of mice that are good for gaming. And there's good mice for computing, for like work. But something that's well-rounded that you could do both. And so I spend like too much money on this Logitech mouse that I think is going to be, it's, it's highly rated in gaming. It's highly rated for also work. And I get it, and it just, it fucking sucks. It feels wrong. It doesn't click right. It's, like, too hard to click. I don't know. I, I'm not a fan of it. But it's, like, one of those things, you know, am I going to trade it in? I don't know, because then the next one that I order might suck, too.
1: Why do like, just I mean, get this, a duplicate of whatever you had before?
0: They don't make them anymore, because I've had it for, like, 10 years or whatever. Oh. So, you know, it's... You you literally wore it completely out, and now I I can't find a suitable substitute, and that disappoints me and pisses me off, frankly.
1: And you've got a great big clicker finger as a result.
0: I do, yeah. It's
1: gross. Yeah. No, I just I just had one of my uh, one of my mice die and had to replace it. But unlike you, I spent roughly eight and a half seconds going, "Eh, I don't know that one click, bye, and uh, and it showed up and it's entirely adequate. Did you game with it? No, but it's for my laptop. It's the throw oh. it the bag, take it places kind of mouse. So who,
0: who gives a shit? You almost want it to be just disposable in that situation.
1: Yeah, almost. I yeah, it's like yeah.
0: a Teflon pan. You're, you're just going to get another one. <laughs>
1: you're just going to get cancer from it. Yeah, <laughs> it's exactly like a Teflon pan. What kind of high-speed, fast-twitch gaming are you doing these days with your mouse? We'll talk about that in Multimedia. Oh, oh. <laughs> excuse Excuse the shit out of me let's make a conversation
0: god <laughs> why don't we listen to it too
1: let's all right
0: uh, this is another one from turbocharged in their latest album alpha beast omega god 2022 irreligious once again that was turbocharge from sweden with the tune irreligious from 2022's alpha beast omega god and joining us now on the show uh, Turbocharge band founder bass player front man ronnie ripper how you doing sir
3: hey i'm fine and uh, well happy to do this <laughs> <laughs> basically
0: Well, thank you so much for joining me on the show. I I have to say, like I I mentioned to you, I've been a fan of your work for quite some time. I think I first found out about one of your previous bands, Gehenna, uh, from Martin Popov's review work. And he did a review, I think probably Decibel Rebel or something like that. And I was on a business trip to London, and I got to a record store where it had a bunch of great metal that I didn't have access regularly to. And so I still remember I bought all three of the Gehenna CDs, Hard Rocker, King of the Sidewalk, Decibel Rebel. I got uh, Entombed Uprising had just come out. That was brand new. And I got like a Creator, uh, like Greatest Hits type of a thing. And I listened to that on the plane back. So, you know, just crushed my brain on the way back from uh, London. But I've been a fan of that ever since and then uh, discovered Turbocharged, when you got that started. So uh, tell us a little bit about kind of how you started playing music.
3: Oh, uh, how do you start breathing? Uh, <laughs> I, I got into metal as, I mean, it's quite early, mm-hmm. like beginning of the 80s, thanks to my bigger brother, my older brother. And uh, at the time, I had to refuse because it was his choice of music, and you you have to go against your brother. Sure, you, know? you kind
0: of push back a little, yeah.
3: Yeah, but uh, when no one was looking, I was <laughs> actually listening to the albums. And uh, I listened to a few years, and for some fucking reason, I kind of lost interest in music in all. Uh, I mean, this was between... 85 to 87, maybe. Okay. And I was only interested in old war movies. (laughs) You know, like Missing in Action and, you know, Vietnam War movies. And ironically, my brother drove me to school one day. and This should probably have been like 88, something like that. And he had the, uh, I think it was the Constrictor album, by Alice Cooper,
4: oh, playing
3: right. in, the, playing in the car. <laughs> I was like, "What's this?" And for some reason, that that sparked everything, back. You know, I came from Motörhead, Iron Maiden, Twisted Sister, of course. Uh-huh. Uh, my first vinyl was uh, Stay Hungry, and yeah. I, I bought it just as it came out because they. We were playing the videos on Swedish television every week. Sure. For some reason, that uh, car ride to school with my brother sparked everything, and I came back with a vengeance. So from that on, I, I never looked back, basically. It's it amazing. Took, like, I,
0: have, I have a similar story. Like, uh, I was going to lift weights for sports with a couple of older teenagers that lived in my town. And I got in the car, and they're driving to the gym, and they put in something, and those first riffs, it was ACDC's Back in Black. Uh, and that was what like sparked it for me, so very similar.
3: Yeah, I think we all have that Yeah, sure. influence somehow from someone older. Actually, I have an even older brother as well. I'm the youngest one. Okay. And I'm 51 this year, so we're not getting younger. <laughs> But my my oldest brother was into Alice Cooper and uh, and that stuff, you know, sure. Alice Cooper, Black Sabbath, and everything. When I was born,
4: mm-hmm.
3: and then ten years later, my second brother was into Venom, Motorhead, you know, all mm-hmm. the basic bands, Judas Priest, and all this. And then it was my turn, but the others just it's some kind of nostalgic phase for them
4: uh-huh.
3: not so much for me <laughs> because <laughs> I I got stuck in it and you know I I've sacrificed basically my whole life just to play music basically as I said I think it was like an 88 that I, I rode with my brother and uh, it took me maybe a year one and a half years, something like that. And I I realized that even coming from a small town like this, it's like 12,000 people Mm -hmm. living here, and it's a big area. So it's it's really the countryside. And you can't find musicians at gunpoint even, (laughs) basically. But for some reason, at that point, we were the right people to start playing together, I guess.
0: Okay. Was, was Vomitory your first band?
3: Yeah. Okay. We start, we started in uh, October 89. So I had been playing maybe since June or something. And I started to talk to Urban, the, the guitarist. Mm -hmm. And, uh, he was like, yeah, I'm going to buy a guitar, but I have to wait until October. So you could say that when he bought that guitar, the band was formed.
0: Okay, right on.
3: But we, we were just two amateurs standing in a, <laughs> in a rehearsal place. And I was looking at, at his foot, uh, stomping the beat mm-hmm. and playing to that. And we tried to play some Sodom covers. And uh, we didn't even tune together. I tuned my four strings. He tuned his six strings. And we never tuned them together. So we were (laughs) totally different. But we didn't care. I I was looking at his foot and, you know, you had guitar and bass. Uh, It's cool. It's loud. Yeah. You know. And then we had like a local amateur festival. You had like 60 bands in two days or something. You had like 20 minutes Mm -hmm. to play and 10 minutes to change the band on stage. And it was... The tempo was, I mean, insane. And they had these local commentators that always got the names wrong of every band. and You know, (laughs) total circus freak show, you know. And... uh, we decided that we should play there. You know, it's it was in March, 31st of March was uh, the first gig ever, 1990 that I ever played or the band ever played. And we talked to uh, Tobias, the drummer, mm-hmm. and uh, he's Urban's brother. And uh, we, we tried to talk him into playing the drums and he was like nah i already have enough bands they're like <laughs> too bad or something. a
0: common complaint amongst drummers
3: yeah he only had this was his third band <laughs> okay so at that time it was quite a small amount of bands and eventually we we actually got him to to help us along and First time we rehearsed with him, it was like, "Okay, what songs do you know?" And I think we, I think we played "Outbreak of Evil."
0: Okay, "Sodom," sure. And
3: it, yeah, and he said, "Okay, one, two, three, four, You know, and we started playing it, and he it was just—he played like one bar or something like that, and it, it just stopped. And he looked at us, "Did you tune?" Yeah, and <laughs> I was checking the the tuning of the bass yeah it's fine um the guitar yeah but did you tune together <laughs> what's that <laughs> so all of a sudden we found this whole new atmosphere sure, <laughs> you know yeah <laughs> you could actually hear that we were on the same song right so we, we rehearsed four songs uh, if I can remember them now Outbreak of evil sodomy and lust. Mm-hmm. Christ Passion, and uh, bommenhagel Bommenhagel, that's a
0: good one too, yeah. Right on. Yeah,
3: all, all Sodom songs. So we played our 20 minutes, and uh, then I don't know what happened. We we kept going, <laughs> and us to, to, was still uh, playing the drums. I, I think he, he got some taste for it. It was fun to play real thrash, you know? hmm and yeah, it grew from that somehow. So eventually we were five people. Okay. And then people were replaced and everything. So that was the start of that. At first I played the bass and sang in, well, sang, <laughs> made noises with my mouth. Into yes, a mouth micro-
0: noises, of course.
3: <laughs> yeah, belching. <laughs> uh, but then I realized that in my heart, I'm a bass player. No matter what I did, that's always my main instrument.
0: Okay, because I heard you quoted as saying that you were a shitty rhythm guitar player, I think, in your uh, <coughs> documentary. is I guess that's not it, wholly accurate.
3: Well, <laughs> it, it is. Because I I never turned off the distortion. I never played without distortion pedal. Mm-hmm. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just found a better sound now. (laughs) It took me like 30 years to turn down the distortion a bit and let the bass be a bass, but now it sounds more gnarly than ever.
0: (laughs) It does, too. Uh, Yeah, that's true. Yeah,
3: But uh, I realized quite early, I think it was in should have been in 90 even, that if you start two things from scratch, the progress is not efficient enough. I had to choose between bass and vocals
0: oh okay I see uh,
3: so I, I said we should get a vocalist but th- at that time I, I started to find some technique in growling I guess mm-hmm. so, so the others refused to let me uh, leave the vocals so we got a bass player instead and from that on it it kind of spiraled I guess
0: so you missed playing the bass.
3: Yeah, and that's why Gehenna came along. <laughs>
0: right on. So you were able to find f- three other musicians in Forshaga that you already hadn't met for this yeah. next band, right?
3: Yeah, actually, there, <laughs> there's a story there, too. We always say that uh, Gehenna started in, uh, uh, I think, March 92. Okay. But actually, it was the 13th of December, 91, to be exact.
0: Oh, wow. Okay.
3: Because we had some attempts during the summer in 91 with uh, Urban from Vomitory playing the drums, which he had no idea how to do. But I wasn't a good bass player, and... Mr. Violence, the vocalist from Gehenna, he was playing the guitar at the time,
4: mm-hmm.
3: and I—I I think I was supposed to sing there too. I can't really remember, but no one could <laughs> could do what they were supposed to do, so it just fell flat, basically.
0: So Gehenna was a trio but, as well at the start.
3: Yeah, the okay. first, the first mm. few—I think we rehearsed like two times, and. Uh, then we me and mr violence was trying to find find a way to play venom covers we were young we were amateurs covers were our only uh, option basically because we didn't know how to write music or anything so we we tried to find people and on this uh, 13th of December, we had a local gig in the next town, in Karlstad. Um, there was a band called Krek. It's like Scum okay, or whatever in Swedish. And they played like Ramones punk. And the singer, he looked like the Ramones, basically. His whole persona. And he had... I remember it was... The schizophrenia shirt of Sepultura.
0: Okay, sure.
3: And we thought, okay, he listens to thrash, you know, he listens to cool music. So we started talking to him and uh, we asked him, Do you like Venom? Everything was Venom at the time. Uh Uh, Do you like Venom? Yeah, of course. Uh, And then we started talking about our favorite albums and whatnot. And we kind of Drifted into. We're trying to start a Venom cover band, and we have a bass and we have vocals. Well, I play a little guitar," he said. "So, oh, so that's Rob, String Burner.
0: Oh, String Burner, right on. Okay.
3: Yeah, and <laughs> we just needed a, a drummer. Um, as it happened, I think Dawn of Decay was playing the the same. Gig, okay. or if it was Baylor, I can't. I can't remember. But Ricard, uh, the the first drummer of Gamma, was standing next to us, and uh, it, it was a friend of ours. And we're like, okay, we only need a drummer now, so we uh, tapped him on the shoulder. I like, uh, hey, do you want to play drums in a Venom cover band? Sure. Did you ever play drums? No. Good. So <laughs> perfect, yeah. But he, he, he was quite skilled, you know. He he always knew how to play any instrument he could pick up. Okay, I mean, he's sitting with a, a studio worth millions now, and he had to leave the band because he took his homework from school before the rehearsals. So we thought that he wasn't serious enough. Oh, jeez! <laughs> <laughs> Who's laughing now?
0: <laughs> right,
3: exactly. <laughs> now he's sitting. He's actually sitting in Spain, controlling this Swedish studio, the last I know. Amazing. Wow. Okay. So he, he's quite successful. Yeah, and that's how it started. But what? it took us like three months, two months to get the first rehearsal going. And we actually, I think the first cover we ever played was... Werewolf, Semen and Blood by Finnish Beherit.
0: <laughs> all right, right on.
3: So it's kind of not what it turned out to be in the end.
0: No, so, you know, I don't want to spend too much time on Hanna because we're here to talk about Turbocharged, although I love that band and uh, the first three albums are genius and I listen to them all the time, so all our listeners should go check that out. But uh, yeah. I-, I would ask, like, how did you guys slide into the sort of more beer soaked rock and roll that Gehenna would become?
3: I would say that it all started with the lyrics to a piss off I'm drinking.
0: <laughs> right on.
3: Because it had some controversy within the band as well. Like, we're not a fucking joke band, you know? Yeah. No, no but look at Venom. Snot's shit. <laughs> you know? They, right, had, they had.
0: Some of their music was tongue in cheek, absolutely. They weren't a joke, but they had a sense of humor.
3: And with Gehenna, it's kind of a some kind of ironic twist because the band shaped us more than we shaped the band basically because for every album, for every song basically mm-hmm. that we wrote, the lyrics got more uh, extreme, so to speak you okay. know, with the drinking and everything yeah. but every time <laughs> that we had a batch of songs that were like, yeah, okay, we might have overdone this, but then six months later we looked back at them and like they're lame. <laughs> we're, we're, we're worse than that. So right. we kind of escalated everyone involved in the band. So we we kind of had a a rap race with the <laughs> with our lyrics, so to speak, <laughs> because for every album we we became less and less reliable as a band I guess <laughs> the thing is that we started playing for fun mm-hmm. because there's nothing to do in a small town like this Yes, and when we got our first proper gigs we were like hey they pay us some beer so it started with us getting beer to play and somewhere along the road it turned into us playing to get the beer
0: Ah. <laughs> 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 a subtle shift <laughs> yeah
3: so, I mean I I was in the band for 21 years and it was 21 years of total chaos and I wouldn't do it again but I, I don't regret one minute of those 21 years because we had so much fun I mean we, we couldn't care less about anything uh, we, we played a our biggest audiences were probably our drunkest gigs as well <laughs> um people loved it because we were falling over on stage and you know all this stuff wow but now i'm turning 51 this year and <laughs> i wouldn't like to see i mean this was before all the mobile cameras and everything mm. We kinda got away with it. <laughs> oh
0: yeah. You would have gone viral many times over, I suppose, huh? Yeah.
3: <laughs> there are some clips and I haven't seen them all because I know I don't want to see it. And they they surface like twenty years later. Um Yeah.
0: Well that's amazing because you were in Gehenna for that long, but you've also been already in turbocharged for over twenty years.
3: Twenty four. Yeah. Actually. So what, why don't you Next talk a little,
0: a little bit about the segue? Like, how did you end up leaving Gehenna and starting Turbocharge?
3: Well, it's. Uh, <laughs> you made it sound like I'm 80 years old now.
0: <laughs> I'm 55, <laughs> so
3: I'm right there yeah, with
0: I'm saying to you, as an older guy.
3: <laughs> yeah, but if you look at the math, how did I quit Gehenna and start Turbocharge? One I'm band, one was two overlap
0: there. <laughs> I'm guessing.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but You're not the years, world's actually. oldest man,
3: right? <laughs> it would make me at least 60 years old. <laughs> but. No, but uh, I'd say like the, the Gehenna, uh, how do you say, the active years that we released albums. We thought it was an eternity, but looking back at it now, it's like three years, four years from the demos to like that, uh, 95, Rebel.
0: 92, or 97, in that range?
3: Yeah, we recorded Hard Rocker, uh, during Christmas week in 94. Okay. And we released Decibel Rebel 15th of January, 98, I think. I still have the, uh, the promo CDs, that's why I know the, <laughs> the date, so it was quite intense a lot happened in just a few years and uh, after Osmos dropped us because we had an option for uh, the first contract well the only contract we had with them was two years two albums and there was an optional uh, thing that he could sign us for two more and two more and two more you know Oh, right. until okay. something else happened and they kind of realized that we weren't the best ambassadors for that label I guess because we, we didn't generate money we we couldn't be trusted <laughs> oh shoot <laughs> <laughs> I know for a fact that have the guy behind us most uh uh-huh. He really liked us because we were that, you know, the, the drunken uncle at the funeral that <laughs> right. ruins everything.
0: Well, you were the different flavor on Osmos. Because, like, there's other bands, like, Witchery is another favorite band from Sweden. Uh, yeah. It was on that yeah. that label, but uh, definitely Gehenna had a different flavor from that.
3: Yeah. And they had this uh, side label. I can't remember the name now, but they released, lot, like, loud pipes and... You know, more rock and roll stuff? Okay. I think we should have been on that sidetrack for them. But they signed a lot of this uh, thrash punk rock and roll stuff, like Inferno from Norway. Oh, sure. Uh, Yeah, I remember
0: those guys. Right on.
3: Yeah. And I think they kind of safeguarded for for the next wave of... Uh popular bands i guess but something d- didn't work out so they i think they dropped all those bands and we were probably the first they decided to drop because yeah <laughs> what i said <laughs> oh, really? we, we actually met the guy at the festival in 97 in belgium and we didn't even recognize him Oh really? so we we gave him kind of the cold shoulder, and he wasn't too happy about that. Oh, geez. <laughs> and then he said something like, uh, "I hate Manowar," and as far as I can remember, a drummer got really upset by that. <laughs> so there, there was some altercations, so to speak.
0: Them's fighting words.
3: No, it's, it's <laughs> almost. Almost. I don't remember that much. I, I just remember there was some weird stuff going on okay and the year after he he let us go and I I don't blame him because we were different leagues basically and uh, after that it kinda split the band in two basically it was me and the other guys (laughs) Mm -hmm. in different camps okay I was like okay let's spit in our hands you know roll up our sleeves and just do something new
4: okay
3: and they were like well we're a demo band again I mean this is how I remember it okay the others might have a different version but that's how I remember it personally so everything was put on hold and we had no real direction where nothing was going anywhere so the band was basically put on ice and uh, as you do in a small town like this, you go out drinking every Friday, Saturday. And I, I started talking about, to this other drummer guy who also had a band that wasn't really going anywhere. And uh, we started talking about starting something. And he, <laughs> I wanted to play something in, in the vein of Merciless The Awakening. Okay. And he, he wanted to play falsetto glam. Really, But he he <laughs> is a speed, speed metal drummer, so I said, yeah, okay, let's let's see what happens. And one thing led to, to another, and uh, all of a sudden we, again, just grabbed someone at the bar, like, You play guitar. Do you want to play? Yeah. Do you want to know what we're going to play? No. So it, it turned into Turbocharged, and that was in March 2000. And uh, it took like, I think it was like two months, and we had an eight-track demo recorded on a Porta studio, so it's really low, low budget and all, but we still worked pretty fast. But then, I don't know, lineup changes and blah, 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 all this, so... We might as well skip to 2008 when okay. it was just us three left in the band, and we had like two guitarists, uh, two vocalists. We had a girl on vocals along with my vocals to have like a at girl school.
0: Oh, uh, okay, sure.
3: Thing going on, but uh, you know, in a small town like this, when you have to meet halfway with everyone, it kind of clashes when you have three dedicated musicians and then you have two others that think it's cool to play in a band, but it can't take any time, Mm, you know? Sure, yeah. So they dropped out of the band and we were like, okay, now let's get going. (laughs) What can we save from all those songs that we had? what can we play with only one guitar? So, we picked out the... I don't know.
0: You get back to that that Motorhead Venom template.
3: Yeah. I'd say so. Something like... Well, there was some Celtic Frost Hellhammer... Sure. Yeah, why not? ...vibes to it as well. And, uh, well, we we salvaged what we could play with only one guitar, and we we recorded a demo. Mm
4: -hmm.
3: And... uh, yeah, that's where the turbocharge of today started, basically.
0: Right on. Well, we've been talking for a minute, so why don't we take a pause and uh, play one from Anti Christian, your first album from 2010? How about Blasphemy Machine?
3: Yeah, that's a fast one. All right, let's do we, it. We, we still fear it. <laughs> <laughs> you should. It's a
0: great tune. Yeah. Once again, that was machine from Anti-Christian, the 2010 debut from Turbocharged. So, Ronnie, what do you remember about the release of that album?
3: Uh, most of it, I guess. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> well, that's
0: Who says you're old? It, Your memory's like a steel trap.
3: Yeah, but ask me what I ate today. I won't remember. <laughs> <laughs> no, but actually, that, that has... Kind of a story to it as well. We recorded two demos uh, with a new lineup, you know, just me, Freddy, and Nick. No, hang on. I think it was actually both demos. There was this Polish guy with Hellrock Records who approached us and he wanted to release either one of them or both of them uh, as a vinyl. And since we had our own studio, We asked him, like, uh, does it matter if you release our demos or if you release our debut album? Mm -hmm. And he said, well, it doesn't matter to me. I like your stuff. And uh, if you want to make it your debut, that's fine. So we actually released the first album on 300 vinyl copies only.
4: Oh, wow.
3: (laughs) Yeah, so we... There... It kind of started like it should have done at the very beginning of everything with my personal music career. It was like a redemption or whatever you should call it. It's like, this is how it's done. Ah, okay. So we finished writing the songs. I think we had like half of the album written already with new stuff. And we made, I think it's 12 songs or something. And uh, we released it through his label. And uh, I don't know what to say about it. It's, it's kind of a cool. I'd like to see it as a kind of a guerrilla warfare blueprint on how to crush a religion with household items.
0: <laughs> oh, that's hilarious.
3: <laughs> but then again, you just played Blasphemy Machine that has tanks and machine guns and everything. So there you go. It's. <laughs> Kind of a stretch. (laughs) Did
0: you have the vision of, you know, crushing religion early on? Because it seems like it's been a singular focus and your sound sort of has a a blueprint. The production is kind of, you can tell it's turbocharged when you hear it. But you've grown with each successive release, I think.
3: That's because we did everything ourselves, I think. I mean, you you get better at uh, studio technique and you know all this. As I look back on the releases now mm-hmm. maybe someone should have been the the second brain in it all but I think it, it, it has like a genuine feeling to it that the band is we weren't better than we were at the time. You can hear it on the albums that this was a hundred percent the band mm-hmm. because we we had no producer. We had we recorded in our rehearsal place everything. It's only the the last two albums that we recorded in the rehearsal place next to ours because there's a guy with a studio there.
0: Okay, so you are talking about the, uh, uh, Above Lords, Below Earth, and
3: Alpha, uh, Alpha Beast,
0: Omega God. The, the last yeah. two albums.
3: Okay. I don't even know the titles of our albums anymore.
0: (laughs) So we talked about uh, Anti-Christian, which came out in 2010. Uh, The Christ Zero EP came out in 2012. Area 666, the full length, came out in 2013. Militant came out in 2015. Apocalyptic came out in 2017. And Above Lords, Below Earth came out in 2019. (laughs) we got to tell our listeners so they know what to check (laughs) out.
3: Yeah, uh, remind me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so two albums back on uh, Above Lords, we had this guy recording the the drums. He's really a detailed listener. Ah, okay. A- and he has a drummer, so he, we t- we decided to take his expertise and his uh, perfectionism mm-hmm. uh, into the equation. So I think we recorded.
0: And was that like a breath of fresh air for Freddie, that there was a focus on the drum? <laughs> or Probably. was he like, oh, nobody's going to tell me, I've done five albums already.
3: Well, I've been the the <laughs> final ears on all the mixes. So okay. I think he he was pretty happy to not see me as the the final hope, I guess. <laughs> uh, <All right>. The <laughs> so, judge, because jury, an
0: executioner a... kind of, yeah.
3: Yeah, maybe I'm not qualified for all that. <laughs> if I should be honest, now uh, maybe I have a better ear to it, but at the time I didn't. But uh, I always listen to everything combined. You know, it's it, we're not a a bunch of solo artists. It's not the the guitarist, the bassist, the vocalist, the drummer. Mm-hmm. It's it's a fucking band. You mash it together into a brick and you throw it in the face of the listener. So if you can't hear all the, the ghost uh, beats on the snare drum, it doesn't matter. You know, all this uh, bouncing, extra bouncing uh, jazz stuff. Or if you don't hear that special splash symbol or whatever, as long as it's a fucking chaos coming at you. Sure. That's what counts.
0: I'm reminded when you so, say that of Sodom and those early recordings the ting ting <laughs> ting ting. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? That like yeah, nobody yeah. else was doing it at the time, but it is so prevalent in Sodom's early stuff.
3: Yeah. And that's still one of the the cornerstones for everything I do. Nice. Basically, so and motorhead you know. It's it never changes I mean the, the, the way of doing stuff changes but if you stick to the same influences to the same basics mm-hmm. you don't get lost in all this like if you listen to bands that were big in the 80s and then they disappeared and now they come back like 30 years later and they re-record old albums and stuff and they take every little bit of new technology Mm. like uh, redeeming the the lack of it back then and it sounds it's not the same band and it just turns polished you know I understand the thought behind it, but it's, it's never a good idea. So
0: you would, you would never go back and like re- record a tune from Antichristian or Christ Zero as like a B-side because you, it always bothered you that either the performance wasn't there or the production wasn't there or some, some aspect of it you think now, looking back, you could have done better.
3: Well, if we did, it wouldn't be a, a clean version. It would be an angry.
0: Keep that grit. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Okay. But because, I mean, even if you put us in a million-dollar studio, we still would sound like we do. I guess. I don't think you can polish. You can't polish
0: grease, Ronnie.
3: No. No. (laughs) Grease doesn't polish. It kind of glistens in the sun, but it's not. It's not a good glisten. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. No, because we we have our way of doing stuff, and we I mean, just wait and see the next recording we do it's oh, shit. it's gonna speak for itself, I think all right. we well, have let... like four songs, I think, for the next album, and one of them is probably the fastest d beat that we ever played
4: right
0: on,
3: and what it's, is, it's shorter story. than two minutes, I think. <laughs>
0: Well actually let's let's jump back a little bit. So 2020 was the 20th anniversary of Turbocharge's existence and you guys yeah. went to the trouble of recording 20 different covers both yeah. as individual cover songs and for a 2-hour documentary on the history of the band both of which I thoroughly enjoyed. I thought were freaking great.
4: Thanks.
0: And like was that because of pandemic? Like, okay, we don't have much else to do? Or was that always the plan to do that for your 20th
3: anniversary? Uh, There was no plan at all, basically. Because we have this uh, standing festival that we're always visiting in Denmark. Metal Metal Magic Magic? Festival. Yeah.
4: Okay.
3: Actually, they they rationed our uh, gigs there. So we can only play every second year. Ah, So... This year we play, they actually went public with it today. Oh, all right. But we were supposed to play in 2020, and in 2019, when we asked Martin, the, the festival boss, he was like, yeah, well, you played so many times here. Can I mean, you played some covers. Could you do a secret cover set? Like, uh, we don't use your name. We make up a different name or whatever. And we put you last on the Thursday, on the first festival day. And as we hit the stage, it's like, oh, it's those assholes again. You know, (laughs) don't tell anyone. And uh, let's keep it a secret and blah, blah, blah. And we thought, okay, let's do a one hour Of covers and we really wanted this set list to be like a a compilation of well not everything that we grew up with but to show where we come from yeah you you know if you look at the set list it's it's all over the place it's Rotten Christ the Misfits uh, Venom Sodom uh, Twisted, Twisted Sister, Sister, exploited, impaled Nazarene. Yeah, I mean it's it's everything mashed together, and we even put the impaled Nazarene and the Twisted Sister song yes. as a as a medley or whatever. No one's ever done that before, <laughs> and uh, so we're thinking that, and we also wanted to give something back to Metal Magic as a family event, basically. We've been there for, I think it's like 14 years now. Okay. And uh, we played half of those. And we played other festivals with the same crowd. So we thought, let's give something back to them. And as we had like two songs, we learned 18 songs. And then two more left. Then the pandemic came and shut everything down. And we were like, okay, we put the, the album on hold for this. So what do we do? Well, we we rehearse those last two songs as well. And we record them just to, to remember them ourselves. Mm-hmm. Just a half rehearsal, you know, studio rehearsal thing. And we did. And it kind of turned out too good to just... Keep to ourselves, according to us. That is <laughs> maybe the world disagrees. No, I can, but...
0: I can confirm. I mean, what's cool about this project is it does cover so much ground, uh, and the, the documentary that you've kind of put it all into with the wraparound. It's great to hear you guys a talking about the influences and why they're important to you. B, you guys joking around as a band. You get that camaraderie of the three of you together, which is also awesome. Because it gives you the and, flavor of the band, which is totally fun. I really enjoyed don't, that.
3: Don't forget the, the fact that the other two are waiting for me to die so they, <laughs> they can get on the Metal Blade records. <laughs> well, there's that, of course. Uh, yeah. No, but uh, we, we did this recording. We rehearsed all the songs. We did the recording. And I put it in Dropbox for the others to hear. And they were like, yeah, it sounds good. Yeah. So... What do we do with this? Can we release it somewhere? And we just signed the the record deal for uh, Alpha Beast Omega God. And that deal said we can't release anything without their permission.
0: Oh, really? Nothing?
3: No. We have to take it with them. And uh, of course, it's just a contract. And I mean, it's not signed in blood or anything, (laughs) but we wanted to, to do this right. Okay. So, so we we're like, okay, we can't release it. So, what do we do? And I was like, let's make videos because I have all the the video gear.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And I said, let's make videos. I'm like, yeah, which songs? I was like, all of them. <laughs> and I was waiting for, are you fucking stupid? You know, all this like, we can't do that, and it. It just turned silent for like 10 seconds. I was like, yeah, why not? I was like, really? Yeah. So we and actually... correct me if
0: I'm incorrect. You did all of this in like two
3: months. Yeah, four days less than two months.
0: Oh my God, amazing.
3: <laughs> yeah. Our rehearsal days are Wednesday and Sunday. So we shot at least one video every Wednesday and Sunday. For these two months and uh, between Wednesday to Sunday, I had to edit and make, you know, clean the camera and everything from files. And I had to edit and finish that video And from Sunday to Wednesday, the same. But then you also
0: had, in addition to that, you've got the planning for the, you're finishing up the last one, but you've got to shoot in three days. You've got to plan for that. And it's yeah. all got to look different. All 17 videos look different from each other.
3: Yeah, and all of them are shot in the same room, except one.
0: <laughs> that is amazing. Holy so, shit, Roddy, so that's it, amazing. Uh,
3: that's why there's a segment in the documentary, and I get to that as well. But There's a segment, 17 videos, two rooms or something. <laughs> and in the background, the two girls, one cup, playing <laughs> i didn't notice that <laughs> no, <it's... laughs> oh
0: shit literally
3: <clears throat> yeah yeah like ice cream <laughs> uh, yeah, well, um yeah it's
0: funny because when you talk about that uh what was it uh under the mark of the d-beat
3: uh,
0: like you you mentioned that much later in the documentary so i had to go back and like oh what well, that was like five songs ago oh shit yeah. they shot this in this little room
3: yeah, it's really small. I mean, it's it's a vocal booth, basically. <laughs> it's a, it's like a closet, but he made it a vocal booth, and we put as much gear as we could in there.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And you know, when when we shot it, it it was a wide-angle lens, and oh shit, it doesn't tell how small it was. <laughs> but some angles, you can really see how cramped up we are. <laughs> oh, wow! But then, I mean, it was fucking hot in there it was like a sauna Mm -hmm. and uh, again it didn't show in the video so i had to put these like heat waves and i had to uh, really make it look like it was you know like where you grow weed or whatever (laughs)
0: like a grow room
3: (laughs) yeah i I really (laughs) had to put work into showing how hot it was in there but I, i think i managed quite good
0: yeah, I would think so too.
3: Uh, yeah, well, that was the challenge actually. And someone asked me, like, how did you plan this? The plan is to not have a plan. You just <laughs> bring the stuff, and okay, just look at the room. How do we do this? Okay, let's put everything here now. Let's put everything there now. You know, and then did it's you all have about
0: time constraints. Have you had to be out of the rehearsal room in two hours or anything like that? Or
3: no, it's our own place. Okay. Basically, it's it's owned by the city, but we've been there since '91, so it's it's basically ours. Okay. And the only restrictions we have is like there's a kindergarten right above us, so we have to be silent when that's open. Okay. So we can't rehearse until six in the afternoon. Um, such. But then those twenty songs. I think it's like three of them that are collage. Mm-hmm. They're built together. Yeah. So, so it turned out to be 17 videos. Right. And my autistic side can't really accept that there's missing one. Because we started on Wednesday and it should be on the Sunday, the last one. And we were missing one. So I said, okay, let's do that documentary we talked about. Oh, so, okay.
0: So that's the final piece. You Got it
3: yeah and it's like two hours and seven minutes I mean who who would put themselves through that but seems like some did yeah Yeah, so it's uh, we wrapped it all up with the documentary and I had this girlfriend for a while before the pandemic Mm -hmm. in Norway and she knew more about the band through me than the other guys I guess (laughs) so I asked her to write the, the questions oh wow okay get an outside view like what do you want to know about this If, if we write the questions ourselves we only sell what's obvious to us and that's why it's like you know do you prefer cable or wireless and you know it's it's kind of weird questions i could never come up with those so that's what makes it even more documentary i think
0: sure yeah absolutely
3: And uh, the question about uh, where the the other guys? Because uh, I left Vomitor in '97, okay, and in '99 they got signed by Metal Blade. Two years after I left. Oh shit! (laughs) I I left Gehenna in 2013, and in 2015 they got signed by the same fucking label.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Metal Blade hates you, Ronnie. Yeah,
3: so now, now the other guys are waiting for me to uh, to quit the band. Was was the original version? Wow! And and I told them like, don't forget about Metal Blade. You know, the, <laughs> this is a question for me, but I'll, I'll put this out there to all of you. Just trash talk me, like I'm I'm not in the room. And both of them, without knowing what the other one was saying said now we're just waiting for him to die (laughs) and i was laughing my ass off behind the camera trying to be silent you know
0: (laughs) well it is amazing though that after all of that you get through pandemic releases 20 cover project and arguably you release your greatest album of the bunch i think so oh man the hooks are even more catchy
3: it sounds
0: it, fat and grimy and kicks your ass from start to finish. Like I hope so. <laughs> oh, that is a killer fucking album, man. 2022's uh, Alpha God. Beast
3: Omega God. The thing is that writing that album, I mean, we've been around for so long now that we've, we've done all the mistakes and all the good things when writing an album. Mm-hmm. Area 666 from yeah. 2003. Thirteen, that one, people has told us like, yeah, you can really hear the joy on that album. Uh, okay, that album nearly broke up the band. Really? <laughs> yeah, because we recorded like uh, demo versions of everything. We have our own studio, so we just threw something together, and we had twenty songs. And we, when we were pick, picking out the the twelve songs for the album. It was really a bad atmosphere. We talk about it in the documentary as well.
0: Yes, I think you mentioned that. that a, everybody had their own songs, and so there was jostling to get it yeah. on the album. And then didn't, so we had, the final song was a song that none of you liked?
3: Yeah. Well, we liked all the songs, but we none of us chose it <laughs> because we were picking our favorites. Right. Uh, I made a paper, and everyone take it up on themselves to go home. Don't talk to each other. Just pick the songs you want on the albums, 12 of them. And then we go back to the rehearsal place and three, two, one, and we put them on the table and no one can change anything. And then we look, all three has chosen. It's going on the album. Okay. If two had chosen one, the third one had to bite the bullet and just, uh, well, Eat the Sour Grapes, basically. Okay. It's going on the album. And if there's still something missing, we would decide together. And the other two had <laughs> uh, chosen a song that I, I wasn't able to play correct. There was something with the the finger setting that was backwards to me. Mm-hmm. I told them, like, I, I'm sorry, but... Uh, I. I don't like the song, but I I can't even play it because there's something fucking up my fingers. And so, okay, what do we do then? How about this one? (laughs) It was Worshipper, the one that no one had had picked. (laughs) So so So, out of
0: curiosity, did any of those other seven songs that were left ever end up on like Militant or a future album or even riffs get used for other songs? uh...
3: I think one or two songs are on the on the demo vinyl released by Diabolic Might in uh, Germany. It's a vinyl-only label, a friend okay. of ours. He had a inheritance and something, and his biggest dream was to, to buy an American car and start a label, and he did those. And we were among the first that he asked, can I release those? demos okay so we, re- we released our two demos that we released between 2008 and the first album and is,
0: that, is that the, the uh, album with the goats boning on it yeah <laughs> right
3: on <laughs> uh, yeah and uh, to fill it out we added some obscure recordings like the first outtake on lion bait i think is on there oh okay from the first album, yeah. and it's really heavy, you know. So I I know there's at least two songs, I think, from that uh, excess recording that ended up on that one. Right on. Or else, I, I don't think we've ever used any of the other stuff. Okay. Not too sure, but I don't think so. We go with the fresh material.
0: Yeah, sure. Why wouldn't you?
3: And uh, <clears throat> it's funny that you say that uh, Alpha Beast is is the best one so far because that album after the the cover set we just recorded that we we did all the videos and everything Mm -hmm. and I almost had like separation anxiety really? well yeah I I had this hanging over my head for so long well two months is not long for 17 videos and a two hour
4: documentary
3: yeah but But it was so intense, it felt like forever, basically. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, everything was posted. Everything was finished. I had nothing else to do. And I was like, what do I do now?
0: So was the next album, did you kind of write it from scratch? Or did you guys have some songs cashed up from Pandemic
3: that you were able to use? No. We, We just started... Does anyone have something? Wow! And I was like, amazing. Yeah, and we were like, okay, now we have a, a d-beat, mid-tempo d-beat, and we have a slow one with a fast uh, two-beat. You know,
4: uh-huh.
3: we need a blast beat song. We need one that's uh, yeah. We we kind of customized the last songs because what's missing on this album? okay let's do it like this and all of a sudden we were like holy shit we have an album okay what do we do now well talk to Yuan, the the guy with the studio mm-hmm. and he was like yeah sure so we kind of accidentally wrote that album in the backwaters of this uh, cover frenzy that we've been in for almost a year wow amazing and it shows, actually, because the, I don't like cover bands like that. We never were a cover band. We we played some covers, right? And it's it's never to flirt with the audience or anything. It's just that I think we can do this really cool, you know. So we picked up some some cover here and there throughout the years, and this time we we got the chance to. Try out someone else's stuff. I mean, like uh, the sign of evil existence, Rotten mm-hmm. Christ. We never played anything like that. But then you have a song that's in the same vein, Sanguinary. Mm-hmm. It's like blah 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 blah. You know, Mexican grind stuff.
0: Sure.
3: So uh, I think it put a mirror up so we could see ourselves in someone else's suit, basically. The expression, walk in my shoes or whatever, you know, we did that. And we realized that we picked up bits and pieces of all these bands, how they built their stuff and it kind of broadened the turbo sound from within through this whole uh, experience. So uh, I think it kind of unlocked our bonus features, so to speak. Nice. So that's what I see in that album. It kind of wrote itself after the the cover incident or whatever you should call it.
0: So this unnamed inspiration that came out of going through that crucible together.
3: Yeah, because usually the person that you are is the same as a band. It's an impression of everything you experienced up to right now, you know? Sure. And it's the same with uh, with albums or whatever. You start listening to Motred, Judas Priest and all this. And then Entombed, Cannibal Corpse or whatever. And all this is baked into what your own style turns into. But still, it's just... The shadows, you know, the, the the echoes of it. And the further you go, the more noisy the echoes turn and blend into each other. And all of a sudden, you're standing there, you have your own style, but you no longer know exactly where it comes from. And I think this, this whole idea with the cover set mm-hmm. was to pick up all those, you know, like, yeah... This song meant something at this point, blah, blah, blah. And you refreshed everything. And being older and not wiser, but uh, older and more coherent to, <laughs> to the details, to hearing all these uh, bits and pieces that really made it to what it was at the time that you weren't aware of. And then we put that into our own sound and we did our own versions of all these songs. Mm-hmm. That kind of refreshed. It's like you, you're doing something forever. Because it's, it just feels right. But then one day you just halt. You stand there. And you really have to ransack yourself. Why am I doing this? I think that's what happened. And that's why that album kind of wrote itself. It, it wrote itself from all the renewed impressions and uh, the sorted out echoes Mm -hmm. from before it turned really deep here now
0: (laughs) (laughs) well and that bodes fit well for the future because you've you've released you know alpha beast omega god is absolute fucking ripper and then you already have four songs for this next album so who knows where you go from here
3: yeah we don't even know who's going to release it, so we'll see what happens, but maybe the Danish label will release it again. but it felt like we we stepped into deep waters because yeah. it's it's really a business label. Okay. They're a- aware of the income and the costs and everything. Mm-hmm. and we we were always an underground band. so it it kind of feels like. We might have bit off more than we can chew. Okay. But at the same time, their promotion has helped us. So we'll see what happens. We're kind of too old to find God now, so we might as well stay on those backyard labels, you know.
0: <laughs> well, it's either that or, dare I say, Metal Blade. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Over my dead body, <laughs> literally.
0: So what's next for you guys? Are you going to Metal Magic again this year, did you say?
3: Yeah. We were supposed to play a local show this upcoming Saturday. but oh, uh,
0: I saw that. The, that sucks. Yeah. Got canceled. Well,
3: I, yeah, but I wasn't surprised, actually, because it's been nine years since we played there the last time. I mean, do the math. I don't think people care too much about us here. so Instead, we go to Bucharest, Romania okay. in uh, May to play on a release party there, together with Infest from uh, Serbia, among others. Great friends of ours, tour buddies and everything, so that's why I know that they're playing there. And there were some more bands, but I, I can't remember now. Maybe that's not official yet, even. I don't know. Who cares? And then we play at Metal Magic in July, in Denmark. Right on, man. So, so, I mean, pearls before swine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that arrogant, but the uh, the local scene is. So, I meet them halfway. Sure.
0: <laughs> there you go. So,
3: Alright, man. Yes. Well,
0: uh, you may have just answered this question, but one one question we always ask all of our guests here on the Bone Bat Show. Ronnie, what pisses you off, man?
3: Cancelled shows.
0: <laughs> I can understand that.
3: I mean, I, I could be sitting here talking for a week now with things that pisses me off, but... <laughs> how much... I mean, it can piss you off, but does it move you? It used to, but now i just write some stupid lyrics about it and uh, record another song and move on. And tomorrow, the same people will piss me off again with the same (laughs) fucking stupid idiocy, but then I'll write another song.
0: (laughs) There you go. Basically,
3: so. It's hard to say. I live in a small place, and it kind of tends to be the same things that piss you off every day, so... It's like landmarks. You live in fucking nowhere, like me. And you have landmarks. And all of a sudden, someone visiting from outside says something about that landmark. And you're like, what? Oh, that. Yeah, but that has been there forever. You know, you you can't see it anymore. Because you pass it every day. (laughs) Back and forth to work. And you don't even see what they're talking about anymore. I think that's the same with the pissing off uh, phenomenon. Eventually, you know, the, well, that guy is an asshole and that girl is a bimbo, you know. <laughs> so, who cares?
0: <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Alright, man. Well, uh, why don't you talk a little bit about this next tune? we were going to go to a fast one from uh, 2019's Above Lords, Below Earth, Doomsday Hammer.
3: Yeah, it's a short and sweet one. The lyric's they make no more sense than anything else I've said today, I guess. <laughs> but it's the golden opportunity I had to put "shit fuck bleed" as a phrase <laughs> in a song. I mean, it's never justified to to pick those three words "shit fuck bleed" right in any <laughs> context. But this time, I, I really, yeah, well, I have to put it there, <laughs> and it's it's a good tune, I guess. It's, I I don't know, two minutes long or something. No distance in the song. It's just efficient and just blasting, I guess.
0: Here you go, folks. Doomsday Hammer. Yeah. One, two, three, four.
2: I it the... do say ever do say ever do say ever Armageddon war machine Only death is real Great out destroy the beast The pain and something lies Terror in the sight of the
0: All right, we are back. Uh, Once again, that was Doomsday Hammer from TurboCharge from the album Above Lords, Below Earth 2019. Thank you again to Ronnie for joining us on the show and for sharing the amazing 24 years worth of music from Sweden's TurboCharge. Freaking awesome. Love it. So, dude, you got any Gord's weird stuff this week?
1: Yeah, yeah, I do. Apparently, up in your neck of the woods... In Bellevue, Washington.
0: Bellevue. I know where Bellevue.
1: Yeah. Y'all had an incident. An incident which makes me concerned because I'm gonna be up in the Seattle area for the Bone Bat Comedy Horrors Film Festival, and it is perilously close to Bellevue. Here's the story. An inert rocket of the type that used to carry a nuclear warhead has been found in the garage of a home of a deceased resident in Washington State, in Bellevue specifically. Bellevue police responded to a report of a military-grade rocket in the garage of the home. The police said an Air Force museum in Dayton, Ohio, had called Wednesday evening to report an offer to donate the item, which a neighbor had said had been purchased at the estate sale. You know when you're going to an estate sale, Steve, and you're like, oh, look at this, antique glassware. Maybe I'll I'll get an ashtray for my aunt. I don't know. And they've got old books and maybe a painting that might be worth something and they also have a nuclear rocket <laughs> that doesn't happen here i don't know man if that's like a regular thing up there i'm nervous
0: so was it supposed
1: to have been a decommissioned shell or well if like the what? story continues they found it to be a Douglas Air 2 Genie an unguided air to air rocket which is designed to carry A 1.5 kiloton nuclear warhead. There was no warhead attached. There was no rocket fuel inside, so it was inert, or so they say. Steve, why did we have an unguided air-to-air nuclear weapon? Meaning, you just shoot it up in the sky, it doesn't have any guidance system, and it just blows up over there. (laughs) That doesn't seem like a very smart thing to have dude thought it was cool i yeah i guess i why, mean why
0: do people collect anything
1: they thought it was cool <laughs> well the military did not request it back they've <laughs> they've confirmed that there's no nuke on it and they're taking it out to uh yucca flats nevada where they put all sorts of radioactive shit um did no word on it how radio well, there's no
0: the warhead on it so there's no radioactivity about it right
1: I don't know. I mean, if it held a nuclear warhead for a while, it probably got irradiated and then it probably has some leftover radiation coming off it. That's how these things work. Somewhere in your neighborhood there's a radioactive garage.
0: I don't know if that's true. I don't know that they store the warheads normally on the rockets. I think they that's probably like, keep that's them like sucking. having
1: an unloaded gun in your, well, in you, your
0: before you put nursery. it in a, a ship, like you, you get it ready to go but okay. probably when they're in storage, you know, my guess is that that rocket never saw a warhead.
1: I don't know. The wisdom of having an unguided air to air and nuclear rocket kind of makes me think that it, if you have that sort of thing already, you probably just have the nuclear weapon right on it.
0: I don't know. You, have, I, I you haven't really like, thought also this thing you through. you keep calling it nuclear, but it's if the nuclear warhead's not on it, it's not nuclear. It's just a well, rocket. It's
1: just, that's true. If, <laughs> if it's a not nuclear nu- yet falls it in the, the po- forest, then no one's there to for hear it.
0: Nuclearity.
1: <laughs> if that's not a word, it a should word. be. Yeah. Okay. If from, I'm going to start saying that word.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and episode title. Anyway.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I straight up don't know. If it's only designed for one thing, uh, I don't know. The whole thing is perplexing to me. It's weird. That's why we call the segment Gord's Weird Stuff.
0: That's why we call it that, specifically.
1: Yeah. Why don't we listen to a tune? Let's listen to a tune. All right. Uh...
0: Another tune from Turbocharge taken from Area 666, which came out in 2013. Blood in, God out. <laughs>
3: This is Ronnie from Turbocharged, and you're listening to The Bombat Show. Stay tuned.
0: once again that was turbocharged with blood in god out from area 666 which came out in 2013 and we followed that up with their cover of the exploited tune fuck the usa taken from the 7300 days in sodom documentary that they released in 2020 as a celebration of their band's 20th anniversary gort any multimedia triage today
1: Wow, man. It's been a long time since we've done a show, and it feels like I have played, watched, consumed so much stuff. So I'll try to be concise here. But I just finished watching Blue-Eyed Samurai on Netflix, which is an animated tale of revenge. And I try to watch anime. I try to watch animation because I like it. And nine times out of ten... I watch a little bit of it, and I just can't get into it. This rocked. I'd had several false starts, and then I'd watched this. This was so freaking good. It was, like, so good you want it to be live action, but the, the fights would be stupid live action. It's just, it's excellent. And I'm going to say that watching the main character, Mizu, I felt like I felt when I first read Sin City. I feel about Mizo like I feel about Marv in Sin City. Just an absolute kick-ass character of questionable morality, cutting a bloody swath towards their objective. Blue-eyed samurai. It's set in the ooh, what is that? The 1600s when Japan said, "You know what? Nobody from the outside can come in." That's it. We're just closing the. We're building the wall. We're closing up shop, and we're just gonna take care of things internally with no foreigners. And so, if you were a white person or a person of mixed race, you were in a real bad way in Japan at the time. And this is about a kid who is a mixed race person, blue-eyed, in fact, hence the name. Super cool. Watch Blue-Eyed Samurai. You're gonna dig it. Even if you don't watch a lot of animation, it's it's just great freaking action. What else? And then there was a movie by director Charles Piper. He did a short called "Malakostraka" a while ago, which got a lot of buzz. This is Destroy All Neighbors. It is an absolute blood-soaked, insane, madcap romp. Uh, You can watch it streaming on Shudder. It's about a guy who's really desperately trying to finish his prog rock album after annoying the rest of his bandmates to the point where he's all by himself trying to finish this thing up, and he has got the neighbor from hell in the apartment next door, who's this giant, violent, loud guy, and just hijinks ensue. Hijinks after hijinks ensue. It's nuts. Destroy All Neighbors, you should definitely check that out if you've got Shudder.
0: So you finally subscribed to Shudder?
1: I subscribed to Shudder strictly so I could watch Destroy All Neighbors.
0: Really? Yeah. Eventually, at least you got there. Now you can watch right. Joe Bob too.
1: Yeah, what do you know? You know, something you and I both watch? Dicks, the musical. Oh, Steve. <laughs> it's a hilarious movie. It's very uh, funny. It is a very funny movie. Uh, fantastic b- musical numbers about a pair of identical twins who uh, is basically the plot of The Parent Trap.
0: Yeah, basically.
1: Yeah, as one might expect by the name, Dicks. The musical. It's full of naughty, naughty words, naughty content. This is not filthy for the faint hearted
0: Filthy, expertly. Filthy
1: dances. <laughs>
0: sang. It's
1: got the Sewer Boys. It's got people spitting chewed up ham into the mouth of the Sewer Boys. The Sewer Boys are gay culture, Gord. <laughs> so it says. Yeah. It, it's it, got Megan it's the Stallion. Like a boss.
0: Yeah. It's, it's just. It, You don't even want to know too much about it. If you want a really raunchy, funny musical, it's on HBO Max now. Go see Dick's a musical.
1: Very funny film. Uh, And then I went out into the big bad world, went to a movie theater, and I watched Lisa Frankenstein. Have you seen this? I have not seen this. Okay.
0: We talked about it. A little bit on Saturday, I tried to convince the uh, ladies if they wanted to go see it, and they thought tasting wine was more important. So,
1: oh well, I was going to say they would love it, but they probably love wine more immensely. I won't say
0: it won't happen, but it didn't happen last week.
1: Great movie to take your goth girlfriend to if you're you know dating a goth girl. Take her to this movie. It's a it's a wonderful eighties fuchsia and turquoise soaked horror comedy, horror rom-com about a uh, a girl that just doesn't have a lot of friends and just likes to sit around in the graveyard and talk to the guy that's buried in that grave and what do you know, lightning strikes, he comes alive and hijinks ensue. More hijinks, more ensuing.
4: <laughs> right
1: on. Yeah, it's uh, for the most part very sweet, like a little too sweet for me, frankly, and then it absolutely goes there. There are scenes where it just all of a sudden goes from zero to a hundred and you go, what just happened? Uh, loudest thing in the theater was the sound of me laughing over everybody else. At oh, times. wow. Okay. Yeah. That good. Yeah. It's fun. Although I got to say, I'm noticing this thing, this thing now, and I guess it's been going on for a while, but I guess I'm really just noticing it. There's a lot of eighties nostalgia that's played for a laugh. Like you see it and you go like, oh ha, ha I remember that. Oh oh ha, ha, that's so perfect. I remember that stuff.
0: So it's not that, really like a joke, it's just that thing. That thing, yeah.
1: Yeah. And I mean it was in that um, that time travel murder movie we talked about where they don't know how the Gravitron works. Yeah.
4: There was 20, a little bit of that. Right.
1: Yeah, there's more of that in this, and now I'm realizing Okay, so the 80s were a long-ass time ago. There's got to be movies coming out where they're doing the same sort of ha-ha, nostalgic callback to things in the 90s, in the early 2000s. Yeah, sure. Yeah. reason. Sure. But I'm not going to find it as amusing. I'm not going to get the joke, possibly, because I wasn't a teenager in 2010 or whatever. We're crapping out, Steve. <laughs> it's possible. Damn it. Uh, anyway. What else? I've been playing a lot of Warhammer 40K Rogue Trader. What is that? Finally getting my It's a It's a game on PC and on Xbox. I'm playing it on the Xbox. It's got it said it you are the rogue trader. So you you've been tasked with bringing planets into the Emperor, Empire of Man. You have a writ a warrant right from the God Emperor himself. So you can really break a lot of rules. You can consort with Zenos. You can embrace chaos as long as you're getting the job done. It really <laughs> right doesn't on. matter. So you can do horrible, horrible things.
0: So the emperor wants results. That's right. The it's God a emperor. results-oriented he position. Yeah, he doesn't hang too much
1: on uh, tradition or. Not for this one particular role. Huh. So it's it's uh, the combat itself is turn-based, which is my cup of tea, because I'm a slow-moving old man. Uh, And then the... When you're not in combat, it's real-time, scurry around, kind of like Diablo. Not super fond of it, but there's a lot of non-scurrying around bits. And there are several different classes of characters. You can equip them a gajillion different ways. There's skill trees, which... I, I have no idea. There's more possible combinations for your characters than there are guns in a Borderlands game. Huh. Uh, yeah, psychers, snipers, warriors, Inquisition—you know, inquisitors. A few errant Xenos. I've, I've got a lot of hours into it. It's totally fun. I'm, I'm really digging it.
0: Right on. So speaking, you mentioned the Borderlands trailer. Did you watch it today? I watched it today. What do you think?
1: I think it looks fun. I do too. It looks like the kind of fun that remember the movie tank girl. Yes. Yeah. It reminded me of that. It looked like a romp. The only complaint I have about this trailer okay. was it looks like they totally jacked up the tiny Tina character, which is a tragedy. I love that character. Now she seems much more like generic little girl, but oh well.
0: Huh? Yeah. I don't know if we, I saw enough from the trailer to know that, but, uh, yeah, I'm I'm 100 going to check this out. That looked like total fun. I've spent a lot of time in Pandora, Gord. So indeed, uh, I think that this movie is is going to be a good time. I don't know, but the one thing like I was not, you know, I'm, I'll watch Kate Blanchett and Jamie Lee Curtis all day long in just about anything. So yeah, you know, great. The casting is fun across the board. I don't know why you make Jack Black be claptrap. The original guy who does the voice of Claptrap would have been just fine, but then it occurs to me, I don't know that guy's name, and I know Jack Black's name, so that's probably why they decided to throw some star power at it. It Yeah, probably. Jack Black has a SAG card. Yeah, but I can't imagine this being like a a rated PG movie. Did you notice the
1: rating? No, it was a rating.
0: I don't know. But, you know, it's going to be violent and fucked up because it's a Borderlands movie, I suspect.
1: I suspect. I mean, it's, it, it's directed by Eli Roth, for Christ's sake. Oh yeah, it's, yeah. There's going to be <laughs> blood and oil. Exactly, and, yeah.
0: yeah.
1: Piss watch gulch, man. <laughs> that's right. There's going to be all kinds of bodily fluids. You
0: know, it, I was. It was interesting. Why do you think that Handsome Jack is not in the trailer?
1: Maybe that's to be revealed. It was the trailer, in, not is the movie. He not
0: in the movie. As oh, he's got to show he's up. In, future if this continues and becomes a series he'll be in future ones
1: maybe he's riding a diamond pony around because
0: he was like the main villain from yeah right he's the antagonist
1: for sure yeah yeah he'll show up
0: interesting well while we're talking about video games um have you heard of a game called pacific drive no so this is a a game it's just hitting i've been playing the demo the game will be released uh, on the twenty second of February in full uh, from Ironwood Studios. I think that it's like going to be twenty six bucks on Steam, or if you uh, buy it on Xbox or PlayStation, either way, it'll be fairly you know it's
1: inexpensive for a game.
0: And it reminds me a lot of. Do you remember that game Driver seventy six, which is like a car combat game? It,
1: was it an arcade
0: game? No, PC game.
1: Oh no, I don't. I do not.
0: So to me, it reminds me of a cross between Driver 76, which was a game where you'd drive around and you'd get in combat, you'd wreck other people's cars, you'd steal their shit, and then you'd soup up your car even more. It's like a cross between that and Alan Wake, which is like this Northwest dark noir survival horror game where you're running through the woods with a flashlight trying to keep the monsters off of you as you unearth a mystery. So, basically, you are in the Olympic Exclusion Zone in Washington State. It's this area where, like, physics has basically turned itself inside out. And you find yourself stuck in this zone in a beat-to-shit station wagon. And so, what you're doing in the game is you're driving around, you're trying to figure out ways to soup up your car, and eventually, I guess, ultimately escape the exclusion zone? And Hmm. you have, like, people that you are in contact with with radio who are kind of talking you through it. And you're driving around, and you're trying to get different parts for your car, and you can craft, you know, different things from tires to devices that make your car more survivable. But every time you go out on a mission, like, these anomalies start popping up around you, so things start glowing purple and melting Ah. your car. Always with the anomalies. Or, uh... There's like a basically a pallet of like broken ass garbage that is hovering <laughs> six foot above the earth shooting like a electric magnet at you trying to drag your car off.
3: And so it's actually
0: pretty tense and stressful. I've been playing it on PC and I've been playing it with like the ASWD keyboard, which fucking yeah. sucks. So I got and a- your
1: terrible mouse. Right. Okay. Yeah.
0: So I'm playing the demo because the full game is not out for another day or two. And uh, this first big mission in the demo is you're going out. You have to build a radio antenna. And so you do this. You get all the parts you need for the antenna. And it tells you, okay, you have to get these three power sources. And you put enough power into the car to essentially uh, fire up a teleporter. And t- Like
1: you do. Yeah. Right.
0: And so you fire up the teleporter. And basically, like a mile or two away from you, this like Roman candle fires up into the sky and you have to drive cross country and go, go into this column of red flame. And then that teleports you back to your garage and safety so you can work on your shit. But if you don't make it because you're driving through the woods and anomalies are popping off around you and your car's fucking melting and it's like you don't get there, you get say stuck behind a fucking tree and you miss it. You get back to your garage, you survive it. Your car is like 20% health, but you lose all the shit that you just spent the entire last hour or two collecting, which oh, very is super frustrating. fucking
1: frustrating. So do you just have to become save scum and like uh, save everything?
0: And in the demo, do the, the explanation about what you're supposed to do next is often not clear. Like oh, that I spent sucks. like 30 minutes just fucking around wandering. And the, what's cool about it is it's got like a great sort of ambient soundtrack of music on this radio and the people talking to you and saying funny things so it's really interesting sound wise but then like you don't know how to start the first mission so if anybody is playing it go into your logbook to fix the door you have to add the door to your to-do list once you hit c in your logbook and add that then you can get started and it goes from there But it doesn't fucking explain that, so that kind of sucks. Maybe they'll fix it in the game proper, because I've heard other people bitching about it. Anyway, I think you'd like this. It's survival horror. It's driving. I know you're not big on crafting, per se, but you are into maximizing resources. That's true. And the vibe of it, like it looks like you're driving around Northwest Forest, which is pretty cool. So, you know,
1: check it out. Yeah, Heck, driving around in the forest with me is a kind of uh, survival horror, anyway.
0: And like twenty six bucks for the first week, so in video game terms, that's fairly, you know, reasonably priced. Yeah. What else you got?
1: Wow, well, uh, what else do I got? You know, I I think that's that's all I got because I think we're both going to talk about True Detective, Night Country. Although I've only watched. The first episode.
0: Okay, let's talk about it.
1: Have you watched any more than the I've first episode?
0: It. Yeah. The, oh, you uh, finished it. The okay. finale was this last Sunday.
1: Yeah, yeah, I chose not to start until the whole thing was oh, was okay. done. That makes sense. Yeah, and uh, episode one, spooky as hell, looks great. I love every actor in this thing. I love everything about this thing.
0: Yeah, the, the acting is tremendous. Uh, it takes place in a place that is very similar to. 30 Days of Night. Barrow, Alaska, which (laughs) is where my sister used to live. Uh, And uh, basically it's about, there's this lab in this town in Alaska, and it's one of those places where it's night all the time. And the six or seven scientists that work in this lab go insane, and they are found naked out on the ice, frozen with horrific looks on their faces and face mystery, frozen in a
1: rictus of horror you might the say the
0: mystery the main mystery is what happened you'll have to watch it to find out
1: <laughs> well i'm gonna watch it
0: i thought uh, it was really good uh what amongst the best that that series has to offer
1: yeah i watched season one loved it tried to watch season two got bored didn't even bother with season three so i've come back into the fold. I'm going at it again. Yeah, it, You know, I said I was done. One more thing. I watched Bandit Brothers. I watched The Pacific. I even read, you know, Helmet for My Pillow. I'm trying to watch Masters of the Air. You know, there's the Air Force. It's uh, Paramount Plus, right? The new one? Yeah. I, I was watching it, and it just seems thin. And, and I'm watching it. Like I don't feel super excited to go watch the next episode like like the previous series, series is. And I'm, I was thinking this thing. I didn't say it out loud because it's the kind of thing that people like you make fun of me for. My wife brings it up. She's like, why didn't they make the plane sound right? The plane sound like they just went to generic airplane sound file one and hit play these great big flying fortresses with multiple engines those things sound amazing you get multiple engines going you get that constructive and destructive interference you're hearing it those things flying in formation with all the rattles and clanks i mean it should blow you away just the way this thing sounds it sounds like an ad for a lawnmower yeah and it, it just keeps you from being involved well, it, and, no,
0: it keeps you from being involved because <laughs> your family actually goes to fucking air shows. Your wife grew up at air shows because her dad is a pilot. This is like one of those deals where a very specific sliver of the audience is going to think this uh, the sound is fucked up. Probably somebody like me who's never been to a single air show one time. Never
1: seen an airplane, yeah.
0: Probably, I've been on an airplane. <laughs> They're not that loud, especially once you get your earbuds in. So... <laughs> So, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know if this is going to spoil the, the product for all viewers of movies.
1: It, it might not, but, <laughs> yeah. Well, as soon as we had a conversation, I'm like, oh, I, I, Steve is already living rent-free in my head, making fun of me right now. i
0: making fun of you. I just I see where it comes from because you guys fucking know. Most of the average Joe doesn't know what an actual flying fortress sounds like. They haven't stood under one as it's taken off at an, on an airfield.
1: And you guys have, so you actually know. You know, it's like, God, I was watching something, and the, the setup is they're out duck hunting. Okay. Right? Everyone's got their shotguns, and then the uh, one of the guys shoots the other guy surreptitiously. And, but the way that they're duck hunting is it's like mid-afternoon, and they're walking around the lake. <laughs> <laughs> in, in, like, shirt sleeves. <laughs> Clearly this is not how it's done. I'm completely out of the scene. What is this? What are you doing?
0: <laughs> that's funny.
1: Yeah. It's not easy being me. I'm constantly disappointed. Yes. I know this. You know this. Yeah. Anyway, that's that's what I got. And hey, five ways to kill a tune came out. MC Lars and Shay for the Dark Lord are spitting out all kinds of wonderful music. This is catchy. You should go find it on your favorite music platform. I don't know if you can buy a physical copy of this song, but um, you should definitely check it out. It's going back to the movie Roger Rabbit. It The Weasels are out there killing tunes. The Five Weasels. The Five Weasels, that's right. And it, this is their song. That movie holds a, a very near, a very dear place in my heart because... I watched it with you, Steve, 100 we, years we sure ago. sure
0: did. And we were not
1: We sober. enjoyed the movie. We, we were we'll not just, sober. We were not sober. I feel like it made the movie better.
0: Yeah, it's actually, you can buy it uh, if you want to bounce over to oh, cool. Bandcamp. Uh, the Schaefer oh, that's the, where. Okay. The Schaefer the Dark Lord page. The album's called 999.
4: Oh CRs, shit I didn't even know it was and
1: on that State album. For the Dark Lord. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, so I've been
0: 11 listening to that brand album new songs uh, on the album which just came out. It's uh got all kinds of uh, tunes that are basically themed about the dark side of Disney. So.
1: Yeah, I was listening to it on YouTube of all places. Really? It just sort okay. of popped up in my feed and um, one song after another 999. Like this is this is some great stuff, but that song in particular, Rock My Little World. All right, well
0: why don't we uh listen to another dark tune. Rah. This is Turbocharged once again from the 2017 album Apocalyptic. This is called Halo of Thorns. Once again, that was Halo of Thorns by Turbocharged, taken from 2017's Apocalyptic. And I followed that up with a medley gourd. A medley. From the 7,300 Days in Sodom documentary, Killer of Trolls by Impaled Nazarene, which segues nicely into Burning Hell from Twisted Sister. (laughs) Super fucking cool.
1: Ah, what a segue. Absolutely. It's not just a scooter.
0: Thank you again to Ronnie and Turbocharge for joining us on the show and for sharing your incredible music with us. Once again, you can find their stuff on YouTube at Turbocharge Sweden. All right, our usual bullshit. You can reach the show at 425 296 6557 or via email to Steve at bonehand.com. There's new content on bonehand.com every once in a while. It's also the home of the heavy half hour.
1: And you can find my cartoons and more at Mighty. Wombat.com.
0: You can follow Bonehand on X on Blue Sky now, Gord. Did you know that? I'm what? over on the Blue Sky trying to find out whatever's going to be next.
1: I didn't even know that was a thing. Okay. I'll check it out. Invitation only. You can't join it no. Oh, okay. It's not like threats. <laughs> I think you it actually just, it just actually opened
0: uh, up to everyone. So, yeah. Come uh, check out Bonehand on blue sky you can find me over there uh also we have bone bat on x which is a good place to find out about festival stuff if you're on x or our facebook page which is even better for shorts we don't feature in the festival because they're not quite right for us but they're right for you new music from bands we feature on the show just silly stuff deals on video games it is the place to be
1: and you should be there too so, hey, you know we'll where see, else you should be? If if you do the Instagram thing, you should go to real underscore mighty Wombat because that's me on Instagram. Right on.
0: All right, man. Thank you for listening to the show. If you like what we do, please spread the word and tell a friend. One, la- How about one last tune tonight, Gordon? How about it? We'll do one more from the latest album by Turbocharged Sweden, taken from Alpha Beast Omega God 2022 this is Hunger of the Wendigo. I hope you dig it. Once again, this is Steve. This is Gord. Have a good one.
1: I do have a good one.
0: shittiest fucking joke that was so bad dude <laughs> if it, we might as well just hang up right now if that's the kind of shit you're gonna bring to the show
1: today i've got some was, bad that dudes was fucking for you. terrible yeah but it took you a minute it took you a minute you're like yeah, really i
0: couldn't believe that my intelligent funny friend would say that <laughs> shitty joke no it was me yeah no you oh
4: jesus huh. christ